Okay. Thought our team played uh, very well Saturday night overall. Uh, obviously, much better in the second half than the first, but uh, you judge the game in its entirety. You don't judge it in segments. And so, overall, we played a, a good football game against a really good opponent. Um, a lot of positives in that game, uh, particularly in the second half, as I mentioned. Offense came out. We had four possessions in the second half and four long touchdown drives. Uh, 60 plus, 70 plus yard drives, no short fields. It was the offense did a great job of uh, moving the football in the second half. Defense pitched a shutout in the second half, and uh, that was uh, the end result because of that was a, a win, which puts us in good shape. Still a lot of football left, obviously. Uh, what are we, a third of the way through uh, conference play? And so we've got uh, a lot of uh, challenges starting this week, Oregon State. Good football team, really good football team, running the heck out of the football, uh, leading the Pac-12 by a considerable margin, running the football. Uh, two good backs that uh, are very productive. <clears throat> Starts with our offensive line. Their offensive line is playing exceptional football, and uh, that's uh, you know something that we've got to try to uh, take care of this week is, is slow them down a little bit in the run game. Quarterback's playing well. Um, they're leading the conference in scoring, as well as rushing, like I mentioned, as well as third down conversions, which when you run the football that well, you, it lends itself to a lot of third and shorts, which uh, they're taking advantage of. So big challenge. It's on the road, a uh, tough place to play up there in uh, Corvallis. But uh, we'll uh, hopefully have a good week of practice and be ready to go. So questions? Well, like I say, you judge the game in its entirety. You don't judge it in segments. And so when you judge it in its entirety, we played pretty good defense, held them under 400 yards, well below what they were averaging, uh, below what they were scoring. Uh, and so I think we are playing good defense overall. Just happens, so happens to be that we're playing a little better in the second half than the first right now. But but uh, we're not really concerned about that. We're just concerned with the the final product and the, and the final result. And so, yeah, it would be great to play great defense every single snap of the game, but things ebb and flow during the course of a game. And, uh, and same with our offense. You know, we, and this year, for whatever reason, we've proven to be a, a pretty good second-half team. I mean, our fourth quarter scoring differential is, is really good. It's like 70-something to 20 or, or thereabouts. And so we seem to be a little stronger in the second half this year. Each year is a little bit different, but that's been our MO. Uh, don't have a great answer for you other than our guys do a – a really good job, our players, of hanging in there and overcoming adversity and handling adversity. And and uh, that's been the, the storyline this year. What, what kind of schematic changes play into that? I mean, <clears throat> obviously, you make adjustments to right. the game. Yeah, halftime adjustments are big and, and play into that. And I think our, uh, uh, is a credit to our assistant coaches and the coordinators to come in at halftime and, and uh, make those adjustments. Now, you got to make them all throughout the game. It's not just halftime, because if you wait till halftime, it's too late a lot of the, a lot of the uh, the times and so, uh, but uh, just coming down, coming in from from the uh, first half, sitting down together, talk about what's happening, what we want to change, and what we want to tweak going forward. And uh, again, our coaches have done a really good job of, of setting up uh, our players to be successful in the second half. Kyle, we had some fun, uh, you know, with the cubby penalty and the flexing, but he he generally doesn't show that level of 
emotion during a game. What did you think of that? And did it just the emotion that he showed? There? I loved it. You know, I didn't love the penalty, but I loved the juice and the emotion and the passion. And uh, we were making plays all over the place in that second half. Uh, we had so many guys make big plays. Cam Rising played exceptional in the second half, as we talked about in the post-game press conference. But, but uh, I'm not condoning penalties. But I'm, I'm, I love enthusiasm and guys that are really excited to play and have a have a passion for what they're doing. Following up on that, obviously winning cures a lot, but it seems like this team is having a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. I mean, what? Where, where is this coming from? I mean, in the post-game videos, you're jumping around with them. Like, where, where is this kind of coming around together? Well, uh, every team has its own personality and its own chemistry, I guess you could say. And this team uh, is really fun to be around. There's a lot of great leaders, and uh, the leadership has been outstanding from, from, from the uh, onset. But uh, the personality of this team is just more... I don't want to say jovial, but uh, they're having a lot of fun this year. And these guys, we got a lot of guys that love football, and it shows. And that's what you want. You, know, you want guys that love football, and, and uh, that's uh, what has been exuded during the course of the season. When you were when you were in the locker room with the guys, you know, celebrating all that, did you expect them to pick you up? No, no, that's that doesn't happen often. But uh, that was. Uh, it was just in the moment. You know, you're in the moment. You're, you're so excited for them, and they played so well in that second half. And you know, it didn't look good at halftime, 21-7 against a top 20 team. And we hadn't, uh, other than the first drive on offense, we hadn't got a lot go well on the first and the last drive, but, uh, where we turned it over at the end, which was a negative. But but we did move the ball well. But in between, there was not much going on. And then uh, to see the uh, production and the explosiveness in the second half was really uh, exciting. Coach, Mika didn't register a sack, but he was uh, creating a lot of pressure mm -hmm. uh, throughout the game. How valuable is that to have an edge rusher like that? Very valuable, and you, you can't have too many of those guys. You know, the most valuable commodities for a defensive uh, coordinator are edge rushers and shut down corners. And uh, he's a he's a premier edge rusher. And even though we didn't come up with the sack, I think we had five sacks. Actually, the stats were wrong. I think they, we got credited now for five. But uh, Mika is responsible for knocking the guy off his spot and flushing him around and and letting other guys clean up and get the sack. But but uh, right now Mika is leading the Pac-12 in sacks, so he's doing a good job. But uh, even an even better job than what is showing up statistically. You know, why is at the beginning of the season, you talked about, you predicted that Devin Lloyd would probably be the highest drafted linebacker from your program. Obviously, he's had a really good season this year. What, what is it about him that, that, that works? Is he, does, do you allow him to just kind of do what he needs to, or what, what, what goes on there? No, he plays within the structure and the framework of the defense, but we utilize him in a lot of different ways. You saw us bring him off the edge uh, quite a bit so far this season. Uh, what makes him a good football player is just uh, a myriad of things. He's, he's got great size. You know, he's nearly 6'3", uh, 200, just pushing 240 pounds. He runs like a deer. He's, he's instinctive. He's got a long wingspan. You know, you see him tip balls quite often, particularly on the pass rush. He's got his hands on two or three balls this year. Um, he's, uh, he's a playmaker. He's, he's a guy that uh, when there's a play there to be made, he almost always makes it. And uh, he is an absolute football junkie and student of the game. He watches as much film during the course of a week as anybody we've ever had here. Kyle, what makes Corvallis and Reeser Stadium such a tough place to play? Don't know. It's, uh, you know, they've, you typically got a, a pretty uh, boisterous crowd. Um, it's just an environment that uh, is uh, one of the tougher places to play in the Pac-12. And I, I just, other than the, 
the uh, you know the fans and the in the overall environment. I don't have a great answer for you, but but it has proven to be a, a tough place. Although last time we were there, we we started out incredible in the first half. I think it was 35 nothing in mid second quarter. So that game was not uh, typical of a game that that you have in Corvallis, and we're expecting uh, a hard fought battle. Now that we're at the halfway point of the season overall, can you assess the offense, defense? Okay. Uh, offensively, I, st I think we're just starting to hit our stride. Uh, we sputtered in the first few games, first three or four games, but the last uh, two or three, we've we've started to uh, well, for sure, the last two started to figure out who we are, who we got to get the ball to, and how we got to get them get them, get them the ball. Tavion Thomas is starting to emerge uh, as more of a run threat, which gives us more in the run game. Um, defensively. I think that uh, we've been fairly consistent throughout the course of the season. Uh, certainly had some problems in the uh, run defense early on. We seem to have shored that up. Uh, so I just think that uh, you know overall we're, we're doing a uh, we're, we're trending in the right direction. I think as a football team, special teams wise, hasn't been a lot of. Uh, Huge impact plays on special teams. We did have the big punt return, and of course, we've given up some things in the kickoff return game. So it's been a little bit of give and take in the special teams, but but uh, I think we're holding our own. Is probably a good way to say it in the special teams. Going over the last three three games of, of how you guys have played, is this the Utah football team that you thought you, you guys were? Yes, to? yes, it is. This is this is what uh, we had in mind and what we had envisioned, and it uh, just took us a little bit to get there. You know, a few few more games than we'd like to get there. And I wouldn't thought they'd do himself if he's. Uh, wearing, uh, yeah, he's got a injury, hand injury. That so. happened at USC. Uh, yeah, yeah. Is there any season-ending injuries? I know you had a couple. Yeah, we have our long snapper. We lost Keegan Margraff, which is a it's a big blow. Although JT uh, Greep, the the guy that backed him up, came in and did a great job, and we expect him to continue to do that. Uh, very talented young snapper. He's just a freshman, but uh, Keegan will be uh, unfortunately he's a captain. You know, he's one of our leaders. And that says something when a special teams guy gets voted captain, uh, because that's uh, that's not real common. But uh, he's unfortunately done for the year. We'll miss him, and uh, he was, uh, you know, a big part of our special teams for the last several years. We don't talk a ton about the long snapper, but just in general, how, how critical is it to have a long <laughs> absolutely critical? And, and as soon as you notice them, that's a bad thing. Right. You know, as long as you're not noticing the snappers, that means that everything's going as it should. And and uh, we haven't noticed Keegan Harley at all because he's been so consistent. Yeah. And so that's a that's a big factor. But like I said, we have all the confidence in the world in JT, and expect that he'll uh, get the job done. On offense, you've had a pretty diverse group. You don't necessarily have that one guy that you can focus on. Mm -hmm. Is that kind of the way that you hope to maintain it, in, in a way that allows opponents to not really key on a guy? Or how yeah, to exactly. We've got five, six, seven weapons that uh, we've utilized, and and that are getting the majority of the touches. Uh, the, the emergence of Devon Vele has been a big positive for us. We knew the tight ends going into the season was gonna, were going to be a, a group that was going to be tough to defend, but but with Devon uh, doing what he's doing, Covey is Covey. You know, there's no. Surprise there. He's, uh, in fact, we probably need to do a little better job of getting him a few more touches. Uh, Theo Howard's added some timely catches. Uh, like I said, the tight ends have been productive from day one. And uh, Tavion, as I mentioned, has really bolstered the running. It's kind of got to the point now where Tavion and TJ are getting the, the vast majority of the reps at uh, running back. Following up on that, you talked about the tight ends. What does a, having a group like you have with Brandt, Dalton, Cole, Thomas, and, and, and Alidi? What does that allow you to do on offense with 
Yeah, allows you to do a lot of stuff. And as a former defensive coordinator, that's the toughest groups to defend is the multiple tight end groups, 12 and 13 personnel, where they have two or three out there. And uh, there's just so many different ways you can utilize them, and particularly when they have the receiving skills that our guys do, where you can split them out. You know, we put Brandt out at wide receiver a good proportion of the time, and, and Dalton is such a, a tremendous receiver. Cole, uh, not as elusive as the other two, but he runs great routes and gets open. And so when you got tight ends that can block and catch, that's a that's a great combination and a great uh, matchup problem for defenses, and it it is as a like I said as a former coordinator, that's the one and that's the groups twelve and thirteen that make it the most difficult for you to defend and make sure you're you're not outflanked or out leveraged in the run game and you get good matchups when you know when they're split out and in the pass game. He's, I, I give him that grief all day, every day. So that's nothing new. It's just, uh, he's a great kid. And uh, he's very proud of the results, by the way, of his role. I mean, it's, it's working. And so it's, 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 uh, it's, it's filling in nicely. But, but uh, Cove is a special kid and uh, loved having him in the program. Uh, he's been here a long time, as everybody knows. But, but uh, it's all in good fun. There's no, I certainly hope there's no hard feelings. He hasn't indicated that. So he's a very confident kid. Go ahead. No. After seeing the defensive performance um, in the second half, at least for me, I was pretty uh, impressed by that. Are you the kind of coach, and I'm just curious, who thinks defense wins championships? You know what? It uh, used to be much more prevalent in uh, in your success than it is now. And I'm a kind of a statistics geek, as David James calls me. I'm a guy that likes to look at stats and numbers. And uh, the in this day and age of football, I've seen breakdowns where offense is responsible for 50% of your success or lack thereof, defense 35%, and special teams 15%. And so it's it's diminished a little bit in its uh, impact on the game. Offense is more taking more of a front seat, but uh, it's still very important. And uh, the best thing is to be bo- good on both sides of the ball. But but uh, you know the the real uh, impact of the game has shifted to more of an offensive uh, impact. With, with the numbers and everything there, it seems like you've been much more confident in, in wanting to be aggressive in those short situations, maybe fourth and two or, mm-hmm. or other situations. Is it that because of the offense, or, or what's kind of the strategy there behind you and, and how you pick that? As far as when we go for it on fourth down, uh, well, analytics uh, is is involved in that a lot. We have a book and a and a. Uh, uh, system or program that we use that that gives me uh, good information as far as making that decision. We follow it fairly closely, but not exactly. Uh, how good your how confident or how good your field goal kicker has been playing, how how much uh, your offensive line has been controlling the game. Uh, there's a lot of factors that go into it. When you look at it, I think we're about average in the league as far as goes on fourth down, and so I don't think we're going forward excessively but uh, certainly more than we used to. And again, the driving impetus of that is, is probably the analytics part of it, where it's just set up here's, you know, it's just, it's science. I mean, you're, you're, here's what it is for uh, the reward for a field goal as opposed to a touchdown, the risk reward of it all. And so it's, it's changed. And I think you're seeing more aggression from uh, most all offenses in that category than certainly you saw 10 years ago. Coach, in the defense secondary, it seemed like you guys played on bit more man coverage mm-hmm. than previous games. Um, do you feel like you're seeing the progress out of that group to, to give you confidence? Yeah, we are. And uh, we're still not 
to the point where we need to be. It's still a, a work in progress, and and we're playing with three true, you know, freshmen. Not true. I don't know what a true freshman is anymore. But guys that guys that are freshmen that still have a redshirt year, and uh, used to be called true freshmen. But with Clark and uh, Fabian and Zamaya, and so those three freshmen are are making strides, and uh, we're gaining more confidence in them. And uh, but again, we don't want to just. You got to be smart. You got to put your players in position to succeed, and and put them in positions where they can be successful. And uh, too high of a dose of man coverage for those guys right now is not a good thing for them. So you got to be intelligent about how you go about it. And I think Coach Scally has been very intelligent of mixing a good uh, dose of zone in there. Have you actually been able to get any kind of grasp of, of, of what the conference has been right now? It seems like you know whenever there's a, a favorite team going in, they end up losing to a team that right. really shouldn't happen. I mean, is this about as jumbled as you, you've seen the conference? Yeah, but that's the Pac-12. <clears throat> for a lot of years, it uh, hasn't had a clear-cut dominant team that you know nobody can beat. It's just a, a, serious, a situation of you better be ready to play every week. And every week, like I said, it was a week or two ago, you're going to see scores that surprise you in the Pac-12 every week. Like, it, you know, I didn't see that one coming. I didn't see this one coming. And so I think it's a, a situation where there's a lot of balance. And uh, if you're not ready to play, you're going to get beat. So you've got to be ready. In scheme, Final question. In scheme and personnel, who does the Oregon State running game uh, compare to? Uh, well, there's similarities between uh, them and the, the ASU scheme that we just saw. Uh, ASU is more counter gap scheme. There's not very little gap scheme in the Oregon State run game. It's more stretch and zone. But, uh, yeah, probably, you know, there's carryover from last week, I would say. And in terms of personnel? Well, very similar offensive line-wise, too. Arizona State's old line is very efficient and productive and physical, and this line's very much the very similar. And, and so I would say in that regard, uh, Arizona State, they've got uh, two backs that are carrying the workload, number four and number five, both averaging over six yards of carry. They're averaging down near six yards of carry as a team, which is outstanding. And those backs are like 6.8 and 6.3 a carry. So they've got a, a good uh, combination between those two. But but like I said, there's, there is a lot of carryover in the run game uh, from last week to this week. That's it? You cut me off? I'm just getting going. Okay. All right. Could have done that forever.